One of the things that always stands out to me uh, was that, as in my childhood, was the idea of what happens when your father comes home. So the thing is, is that whenever you're really, really little and you think about, oh, your father coming home, it's usually this kind of like, a, oh, it's exciting. Oh, very cool. I'm glad you're home. Let's go play. Let's do all sorts of things. But as you get older, it becomes sort of a mentality of, what was I supposed to get done before he got home? wait a minute, today was the day I was supposed to clean my room, oh boy, and, and you realize how quickly you can make your bed, at least make your bed the way that a nine-year-old boy thinks making your bed should be, which is never quite so nice. Um, or then on top of it, realizing that your Legos are scattered all over the floor, or even on top of it, knowing that you hadn't quite finished the dishes or the laundry, and it was supposed to be done before I got home. So you're over there, well, at least if I put it in, the machine, then, that, then that, that should at least, well, it's the machine's fault. The machine didn't go fast enough. Yeah, I, I put it in there, though, so it should be fine, right? And then, of course, at times, pausing to think, is there anything that I did to my sister today that I'm going to be in trouble for? Uh, I don't know, but did my sister do anything to me that I can say it evened out? Yes? No? Let's go pick on her and see if I can get it. Um, but with that is this whole mentality of, when your father comes home, and what that means to us as people, and whether or not we still have the idea of, are we accountable in our lives today for the one who is coming in the future? And with that, in looking at our passage today with First Thessalonians, is that oftentimes this idea comes up of, well, Jesus is coming, so everybody look busy. And oftentimes is that the idea that Jesus might be coming back tomorrow is that the more you can get that communicated, the more that people can take, stand up and take attention. But if you can't quite know for sure that Jesus is coming back tomorrow, how complacent do we get? How much do we just assume that we go back to life the way that we always expected it to be? See, that one of the things that we had started with last week was that we are meant to be the people that God has called us to be. And what we spoke about was that oftentimes whenever we look at our lives, whether we're looking at things like what we do with our bodies as well as what we do with our minds and our spirit, is that the way that we treat ourselves is reflecting what we're doing with what God has given us. That was part of what we saw where last week it's speaking about sexual immorality is not trying to hit each and every single sin as much as people you're not even realizing the gift that your very body is to you from God. And to then be able to pause and say, okay, but then you also realize that Jesus is coming back. And it goes into this whole thing where a lot of times people are discouraged because they had lost loved ones. Well, if loved ones haven't stayed around until Jesus came back, then what hope is there for us? But in today's passage, it goes into more of it. And it speaks about concerning the times and the seasons, brothers. You have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Now, honestly, a lot of these passages, 
you kind of realize the context here, and you kind of think, okay, he's making sure that people stay focused. But these passages can turn into these giant discourses on the end times and everything that is to come. It's this whole thing of, okay, did you catch that part about the thief in the night? Well, let me tell you how it is that you can read the news today and figure out when that thief is coming. It is amazing. I grew up in a very fundamentalist home, and I cannot tell you just how frightening it is to grow up in a fundamentalist Christian home with the end times looming over your head. There have been so many things that I was told to be afraid of. I was told that I was supposed to be afraid of credit cards. I was supposed to be afraid of putting microchips in my dog. I was told that I was supposed to be afraid of cell phones. Okay, And then on top of that is I was also supposed to be afraid of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, which was a whole other thing. I don't know. But uh, every single thing. And as soon as I got to liking a cartoon, I would usually try to hide it from my parents because I knew that somebody had written a book about how it was going to lead me down the path of destruction. So uh, fortunately, Transformers never quite fell into that, so I was safe. But that's the thing about this is that there become all these speculations on what is to come. Let me, let me just give you four just brief generalizations. Okay? One of them is historic premillennial. It's the idea that Jesus is going to come back, the second coming. Then there's going to be this, uh, but, but before that, there would be this great tribulation. So all these bad things were going to happen first. Then Jesus is going to come back. And then there's going to be this millennial rule where the world will be transformed into the way God wants. That's historically how things were seen. In the last two centuries, that has changed into dispensational premillennialism. The idea that the rapture is different from the second coming. So the rapture is going to happen first, then the tribulation. So all the Christians today will get raptured up. Then the tribulation. So you're not going to actually have to deal with any of the bad stuff. Then the second coming, which is somehow different from the rapture. And then the millennial rule after that. That's the second of the four. I, I, I know, exactly. The third and the fourth are kind of similar. And they've also historically had a place in the church. Uh, Post-millennial is saying that the things that happened in Scripture... They happened back in the first two centuries. The idea that Nero and the destruction of Jerusalem and the way that the Jewish community was kicked out of the, the Holy Land and all these things that had happened, well, they did happen historically. And then the millennium reign is going to come at some point before the second coming. So this is oftentimes popular whenever we look at trying to make the world a better place. Because then the idea is, if we're making the pl this world a better place for the sake of Christ, then that's beginning a millennium rule, and then he will come again and finish this imperfect world. And then there's the amillennial. And this one's a misnomer because people think that that means that these people don't believe in the millennium. Well, no. But rather is the idea that when Jesus said it is finished on the cross... That's the beginning of his reign. That was the beginning of the millennium. Not meant to be a literal thousand years, but rather is to say a millennium is a long period of time. It was Jesus saying, I have begun my reign, and it's going to be a while before I come back again. But in the meantime, you're going to have tribulations. 
you're going to have struggles. And the things we see in Scripture are going to repeat themselves at different times. There have been any number of people throughout the last two millennia who have been seen as the Antichrist. And they may all be true. And they may all be kind of true. But the thing with each of these four different versions is that each one is meant to emphasize something different based on the idea that Jesus will come back again. So how do we face the world around us today? Jesus is coming back again. So what do we do about the world today? And I want to go back to those verses. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. This isn't trying to say that there is no sense of peace in our life whatsoever. And it's not to say that there is nothing that can give us calm and rest. But rather is that the people at that time were oftentimes putting their security and their peace in that Roman world around them. They were putting it in the wrong things. And on top of that more is to say that this is not about trying to predict or manipulate the future. See, that's one of the things that we see oftentimes in, in Christian circles. And I don't know if it's more prevalent in the U.S. rather than other countries, but I know it's not only prevalent here. Is this idea that once we see some parallel in the news to something that we see in prophecy, then that's going to get us closer to Jesus coming back. But more than that, it also makes us sometimes feel like this world doesn't really matter. Now, in comparison to the life of the world to come, sure. But does this life right here, right now, matter nothing? Because how many times do we now look at people around us and do we turn them into our minds into just fulfillments of a prophecy instead of asking, how is it that I'm actually supposed to take Jesus to them? Jesus spent so much of his ministry, and he was focused on the Jewish community. And today, we oftentimes just dismiss them. Well, they've got their own story to live. No, they need Jesus like the rest of us. Everybody needs Jesus. How messed up have we gotten that we have so distorted the gospel that we think it's for some people and not others? And even more than that, going beyond the Jewish community, the non-Jewish community. And, and not, not trying to say that people don't need to deal with military or political issues, but people, people of every background need to come to know Jesus. They're not just fulfillments of a prophecy, but rather is another group of people we're meant to reach out to. And that's what happens with what we end up doing with our sense of the end times is we end up manipulating it to try to give ourselves a sense of peace and security. Because if we think, you know what, 
this hasn't quite gotten to where it needs to be, so I've got a little more time, or I don't need to worry about that because it doesn't matter how terrible this world gets, Jesus is going to take me away before anything gets too bad. How messed up have we gotten? And more than that, is that instead of spending our time looking at how to bring hope for the future, we end up missing out on bringing that to the present. See, each of these different ways of looking at things can oftentimes have their strengths and their weaknesses. See, the premillennial, but both versions of it, the pro is that it pushes people to be watchful today, to take notice of the fact that what we live in today is truly a part of what Jesus spoke about. But the cons? We end up being inconsistent. We can spend so much time focusing on, does this specific thing get us closer to Jesus instead of saying, it doesn't matter if this specific thing does because he is coming and I need to get out there and take Jesus to the world. Instead of asking, is that group part of the, one, the, the sheep that I'm supposed to go to or are those the goats that I should ignore? The post-millennial, the pro is that it actually does see that potentially when we do good in this world, it can actually proclaim the name of Jesus. But what's the downside? is that we get so focused on thinking that this world is the end-all, be-all, and that we think it's only about our strength, our ability, and we lose sight of Jesus coming back to make all things new. And then the amillennial, which oftentimes Lutherans end up falling into, is that we know that Jesus' kingdom is meant to be proclaimed today, and that it's because of what he did on the cross and then he resurrected already. But what are the cons? We get complacent. We do. Lutherans are kind of bad about that. I, I would say there are a lot of other churches that are as well. But that's one thing that a lot of the evangelical churches have on us is that we get complacent. We, 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 we baptize our babies and we confirm our teenagers and then we think we're done and let's just make sure that they don't you know, go too far off the beaten path until they have their own babies and start the cycle again. And we get complacent. And we somehow miss the fact that today matters. Each and every day to us and to the world around us. So the question is, what do we actually know? It's, it's, it's always funny that oftentimes we can spend so much time teasing or making fun of or belittling people around us or ideas around us because we see their flaws, but we don't pause to say, okay, yeah, but what's the actual answer? Well, the actual answer is stay alert and sober. And we're Lutherans. Yes, you can have a beer. It's okay. But rather is to realize that whatever it turned out that the specifics are, Jesus is coming back. But we don't know when. It could be any day. So what? We need to follow him now. And whatever you've put off before, today's the day. Second, all people need Jesus and his grace today. Instead of us looking at the world around us and all the conflicts and all the issues and trying to figure out who fits which role in our Bible is to realize that everybody fits the same role. We are sinners who need the grace of God by Jesus. 
So instead of getting caught up in trying to figure out who fits our mold of what we're looking for, is instead saying, you're a human being, which means I need to bring you Jesus. And third, we can be filled today with hope for tomorrow. So when the things do happen, the issues of our, of our own political realms, of our own economic issues that we're facing, the struggles that we have in our homes, uh, occasionally finding out we went on vacation and had our uh, water pipes leaking the entire time, is that we know that still there is hope for tomorrow. And that as much as we may feel secure and then find out that the world doesn't fit the way we were hoping it would, is that there is still our Jesus who has remembered us and is coming again. So as we live in today and proclaim Jesus to the world, let us take hope in tomorrow, not ignoring today, but giving today even more meaning as we bring others to know the Jesus who is to come. Thanks be to God.